I was probably six, maybe seven years old. And we're sitting at Smith Lake. And yes, you can look this up in western Nebraska. Little Smith Lake. And probably a little flat-bottomed boat that I believe was owned by the man who was a good friend of my father and who really was like another uncle to me, Laverne. And we're fishing. And my dad was not necessarily a, a fisherman, but Laverne had this little boat and, and he liked to, to go fishing. And so we were out there fishing. And, and I, th- I think I was really just learning like how to cast. Like, and casting in a boat with a hook on the end of your line is a little different than being up on the shore, you know, because there are people very close to you in the boat. Well, I bet you can guess what happened. I swung on back and, oops, the fish hook, how I did it, I don't know, was right here, right in the meat of between his thumb and his forefinger. I mean, the fish hook had him, and for a little while, there wasn't anything else that he could think about other than to tell me to stop yanking on the fishing pole. And of course, you know, fish hooks have barbs on them, and so we ended up having to cut the fish hook in order to get it out of his hand. And what's interesting is that I had never thought about this until today because if I'd thought about this story some, but I'd never thought about fish hooks and the Bible very much because the fishermen in the Bible, for the most part, the ones who do it for a living, don't use hooks. They use nets. And they throw their net out or they drag it behind the boat or however they do it, you know, because it was, they didn't have motors back then. They, they do that so they, and then they haul the net up into the boat and the fish come into the boat and, and that's how they commercially fished at the time. So they, they weren't using hooks, but there is, there is a history, a few passages in the Old Testament about fishermen and fish hooks. And in Jeremiah, it talks about that God is going to send out some fishermen. And in Ezekiel and Amos, it talks about fish hooks. And, and it's very negative because it's basically, I'm going to hook the wealthy who are not obeying my rule. And the fish hook, I believe, in Amos is a reference to God not being pleased with what Pharaoh is doing. And so there's a negative connotation to this, to the sort of the fishermen and the fish hooks because it's about judgment and it's about how God is going to hook them and going to catch them in their wrongdoing. At least that's sort of how I thought about it. We're going to come back to fish hooks in a little bit because John had been caught by Herod. John the baptizer had been basically talking about how Herod, because he married, he married his, uh, he, he married his brother's wife, that he had broken the law. He wasn't supposed to do that. Go figure. That was Jewish law. It was probably permissible in other kinds of laws, but in Jewish law it wasn't. So John was very vocal about this, and Herod had him arrested. And you probably know some of the rest of the story about John the baptizer and how that causes him to lose his head, most literally. So it seems like, at least in the Gospel of Mark, that Jesus, who, who had been baptized by John in 
in the river Jordan and the word had come to him, the voice of God had come to Jesus and then he was pushed out into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit that now, after John is arrested, that Jesus, it seems like Jesus feels like, oh, it's time for me now to, to become more public. And that isn't perfectly correct. That's how it feels in Mark, if you just read the Gospel of Mark, which we're reading. And Jesus says this, he says, the time is fulfilled The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Well, this is a very interesting passage. Just, Just this little thing. I think I could probably do a sermon on just the first four English words. But we're going to talk about the whole passage. The time. The time. There are different kinds of time in Greek language. This time is, biblical scholars, what what time is it here? Anybody know? It's Kairos time. And Kairos time, I think I've t- talked to you about this before, is it's like, it's like if you have a garden and you have some strawberries and you're watching the strawberries and they're just ripe for plucking. That's Kairos time. The time is fulfilled. The time, it's perfect time. Not the day before, not the day after, this time. It's not chronos time, it's not that kind of time. It's not, it's not linear time, it is the time is fulfilled. This is the right time for this kind of thing. I'm sure you've thought about that in your life. Man, that came along at the right time. That job offer, that person, that thing, that doctor, whatever it was, that came along at the right time. That's Kairos time. The time is fulfilled. Jesus is saying, right now, this, this is the time. The time is ripe. For this. And Jesus says, and the kingdom of God has come near. Has come near. In other passages, he says, the kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of God is among us. That it's already here. Has come near. It's, it's in a sense, it's already been there. The kingdom of God, as we talk about it, is always in breaking, meaning it's always coming into our lives but it's also already here around us, and it's also hidden. That's what makes it so frustrating for us. It's because, well, okay, Jesus, if the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near, why does history just seem like one big disaster after another? I think that's the question a lot of us ask, which is a great question to ask. Like, what, what's going on? What's God, what is God at work doing It's a great question to ask. But we also know, we also believe, and as we hear in the scripture, that the kingdom is already here. It is among us. And it is yet hidden. Well, why is the kingdom here? Well, we Christians would believe that it's because Jesus, Jesus is the embodiment of the kingdom. Jesus is the real enfleshment. We've seen glimpses of it before. We've heard the prophets call us to it in the Old Testament. We've heard God like trying to put together the community through the and, and have the guidelines of that kingdom of God community through through like the Ten Commandments and even in Leviticus trying to line out what that kingdom of God community is all about. We've seen it in pieces and parts, but in Jesus it is enfleshed. It is fulfilled. It is fully there. And so that's why we look at him. That's why we study the word. That's why we seek to understand who he is and what he did so that we can understand what the kingdom is. And this, 
what's interesting about this is, this is an, there's a little English major stuff. This is an indicative phrase. Indicative phrase. It just says something. Here it is. It indicates something, indicative. The next phrase is the imperative, telling you to do something. Repent and believe the good news. Well, good news, or as we would say, the gospel, that's what we also come to know. Well, now we use it a little differently. Back then, when they would talk about the good news, most of the time this phrase was reserved for Caesar when Caesar issued proclamations, again, there's that word, because Jesus came proclaiming, right? That Caesar would issue proclamations, and most of the time, it might be about a baby Caesar being born. Because a son of God would have been born, and so that is good news. Because Caesars were thought to be gods or sons of God. Or it might be about the enthronement of a new Caesar, So those were most of the times when this good news, this gospel, was coming out in the Roman era. And so you wonder, right, is Jesus, is Jesus given a little bit of a needle politically? Repent and believe the good news. Repent, repent, the word there means basically turn away from what you've been doing and turn toward the ways of God. Repent, leave the things that you've been doing behind and come and do this thing. Come and be here. And what we have to remember is that the kingdom of God and and our faith is always indicative and then imperative. We love because God loved us first. We turn toward God because God saved us first. We often get this wrong, I think, in our theology. That you must repent and believe to be saved. We hammer people with that. You're not good enough. You must live a certain way and do these certain things or else the kingdom isn't for you. No, the kingdom is for you. Do you want to live that way? Turn and believe it and live it because the time is now for the kingdom. No matter what time it is for the kingdom, the time is now. I was thinking about this time is fulfilled and repent and believe sort of thing on Wednesday at about 11.50. Something was happening in our country. And at about the time that the new president was being installed, was being sworn in, it was very interesting because it seemed like for a big portion of the American people, there was a collective letting out of our breath. It was like there was a big exhale. This is the right time for this person to be here. We're grateful for this to be happening. Now, for another large portion of Americans, 
They continued to hold their breath or use their breath for other means. We have to be honest about that. Because oftentimes what we do is we put our faith in the now, we put our faith in these human figures. We, we put our faith in our presidents or our leaders or, or whatever, and we think, oh, they're going to fix everything. They're going to make everything right. Well, there's only one who has fixed everything. There's only one who has made everything right. And he just announced a few thousand years ago that the kingdom of God has come near, that the time was right. Repent, turn, and believe. It is always time to hear that message again about the kingdom and to begin to try to figure out what that kingdom is for us in our lives and to turn and to believe in that good news. I want to talk about these fishermen for just a minute. These ones who Jesus called. So he's passing along the Sea of Galilee. Now, what you have to understand is, in the history of Judaism, this news coming out of Galilee would have been like, what? It would be... It would be like the savior of the world coming from my hometown. Like some nowheresville, really, in terms of the, in terms of what you think of, you know? I mean, my town has two, it has two words in its name. Hay Springs. For anybody who isn't from Nebraska, you know, well, anybody in Nebraska, they might not even know where that is. They might not even know what that is. But anybody who's not from Nebraska goes, oh yeah, I can tell, I can already picture what kind of town that is. That's the Galilee. The Galilee is, is sort of a backwater agricultural place. And in the history of Judaism, it was in the northern kingdom, which was not at that time favored. It was the southern kingdom that became the one that was holding on. That was where David came out of. That All that sort of thing. And so this news is coming out of Galilee. What is God doing? Isn't Jesus from Nazareth, which is in the Galilee, this little nowheresville, but Jesus passed along. He sees Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea. They were fishermen. He says to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. He went a little farther. He saw James, the sons of Zebedee, and his brother John. We call them, they euphemistically call them the sons of thunder. They were the original WWE wrestlers, by the way. I'm not just kidding. So he saw James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and they were in their boats mending the nets and he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and they followed him. I mean, we don't know what the history is. We don't know what it is about Jesus. We're assuming that he'd been teaching and talking and, and doing all these things and, and I could go on about the potential there, about what may have happened in that call. But here's the thing. They heard him calling and they didn't say Am I good enough? Something about his call and his message told them already that they were being called into something that they didn't know how it was going to work out, but that they wanted to be a part of it. The kingdom of God was breaking in and they wanted to be a part of it. It is almost like they got a fish hook. And they couldn't think about anything else. The time is always now.
the kingdom is among us. Let us repent and believe that news and let us live this kingdom way of life. Amen.